This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show and another episode of our Raw Reaction series after Arsenal. Oh, I've won a game. It's, oh, it's so good. It's such a nice feeling. I enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoy it so much. Thank you for joining me as per, guys. Good morning, everybody in the chat box. Uh, this is our match reaction show. If I'm working, which I was last night until midnight covering the evening games, we do a show uh, in the mornings at 8 a.m. instead of the news show as our normal reaction. So, so no news to talk through, just reaction to last night's game going to talk about it going to get your thoughts and feelings in the chat box as well make sure if you haven't done so already to drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already there'll also be uh, another show this morning on the arsenal way at 9 30 as always and myself and hush's reaction straight after the game is on the channel from last night if you want to see my raw emotions uh, but speaking of which let's carry on with the show good morning to matt in the chat box good morning to olu to william uh, to G Norburn, Paul, uh, Social, Jonathan, Stevie, Ginger Ninja Guna, uh, Matt G, 360, David, John T, uh, we've got Morgan, Jacob, Bradley, good morning to all of you guys, uh, who else have we got, Harvey, AV, Jack, uh, Yang Ha or Yong Hao, uh, Manu, Akshat, uh, Dana, we've got Kevin, uh, MFB, Colin, Afsar, uh, and lots more of you as well, good morning to everybody that keeps Joining us for these morning shows and making this part of your morning routine, what a victory. Um, it just meant so much to those players. Ruben Neves, eat your heart out, mate. I don't care if you think we're celebrating like we've just won the league. We're celebrating because we've won and it's a big, big win on our road to you know where we're going. And we had to win this game uh, as we have to win all of the 16 games that remain this season. We're not going to win all of them, but this was certainly one of the games on the list that you pinpoint as one of the really difficult fixtures to navigate on the list we've got Chelsea we've got Liverpool we've got Spurs uh, we've got Manchester United uh, we don't have Manchester City thank goodness but Wolves is within this group <clears throat> of teams that are playing really well this season so to come away from Molyneux with a victory is is just top class uh, is really really top class so I'm very happy with the result very happy with um, 
with the way we defended for the game, there's a few things that we need to discuss and we're going to go into that. I am going to start off, though, with the discussion around the red card. So give me your thoughts in the chat box. My feeling on the red card is that by the letter of the law, it's a red card. Um, and I think that Arsblog put it really well last night. In fact, I'll read you Arsblog's tweet because I quoted it because I think he gets it spot on about how I feel about it. Um, Arsblog said, I can't even remember the last time I've ever seen that happen with two yellow cards like that. The ref could have easily just booked him there. What he did absolutely does not merit a red card. And I absolutely agree. It doesn't merit a red card. Um, The referee wanted, as Mikel Arteta said, has to want to give that red card um, and doesn't have to because it's one of those technical little things in the game where you could probably use common sense and realise that, sure, Martinelli's blocked the throw-in. Well, if he's blocked the throw-in, then blow for the foul. Don't play advantage. And then give the player the yellow card. Then the player is aware that he's on a yellow card. And so it hasn't got that psychological factor to then go and make the second foul. But by the letter of the law, both of those incidents were two yellow card offences. So I can't sit here and say we should appeal it or it should be overturned because it's it's the law. Like He can do that if he wants to. It's not like he's gone against the rules of the game. He's gone against the spirit of the game. He's gone against what common sense would tell us to do. But it is a red card, and that sucks because it means that Martinelli's not going to be available for Brentford. He will be back again for the Wolves' uh, reverse fixture at the Emirates in a couple of weeks' time. But... It was just such a... I mean, someone described... I think it was Craig, actually, from the same old Arsenal I saw describe Martinelli as petulant. I think that's a bit harsh. I, I, th- I certainly would go down the route of saying it was immature. It was a bit childish, which I suppose is the same as petulant when you think about it. Um, but it was a bit of an immature action from Martinelli to, to block the throw and then go over and chase. and Because it, you know, annoyingly is two stupid things to have done. But actually, if I look at petulance and childishness and just even slight arrogance from the official's part, I look at that decision as an arrogant decision, a decision that he's taken because he wants to, because he wants to try and ruin the game, wants to try and hand the advantage to the opponent. And he did that, and Wolves certainly took the advantage as much as they could. But thankfully, Mikel Arteta, who needs to instill discipline in this team, absolutely needs to instill discipline in this side he made a decision which we'll talk about in a second but I do want to get your reaction to the red card let's see what you guys are saying um let's scroll up a little bit because I know I would have missed plenty of comments Byron says Tom you can't play advantage if the ball isn't in play as the ball was about to be thrown in it technically still out of play look I've read so many different things about this now if there's someone that I genuinely do trust regarding officiating and decisions whenever I want to get any kind of uh, insight on the rules uh, I go to Dale from ESPN Uh, let me just find this tweet because it is here we go Uh, Dale Johnson Uh, every single week Dale Johnson who is the editor at ESPN does lots of VAR breakdowns and regulations and officiating and stuff like that and he is bang on uh, with, with whatever he talks about he is absolutely spot on and he said, for those wondering if Gabriel Martinelli's red card situation... In fact, why am I reading it to you? Let me just share the screen with you. It's easier if, you just, if you're able to see it. 
Uh, let's throw it up onto the screen. There you go. So, uh, for those wondering, if Gabriel Martinelli uh, red card situation for Arsenal has happened before, uh, it is rare but possible when advantage is played off the first yellow card offence. Uh, here's another involving Chris Baird. And I actually remember this happening uh, for Chris Baird for Northern Ireland against Hungary. I, I remember this happening. Um, but also, he goes on to explain about this kind of image that had been circulating. Uh, this image had been circulating around uh, kind of the net and uh, through Twitter. And I think everyone was seeing this. And my friend Ben Browning from uh, Get 101 Great Goals posted this. And he says, this section of the law of the game keeps being shared to claim Gabriel Martinelli couldn't receive his first yellow card. This is completely incorrect. First yellow was not shown for interfering with or stopping a promising attack, which is the only thing that applies below. Um, so uh, Ed says, that, this is an interesting reply. What's the situation with fouls after forwards have taken their shot anywhere on the pitch? Oh, I think that's to do with the Liverpool game, to be fair. Um this is the explanation as to why it's still a red card. That that rule that was being shared to try and get a technicality is it just doesn't fit this scenario, unfortunately, even though we would have loved to it too, so we could try and overturn it, but we can't. Jez says, Tom, common sense had to be applied there. It's not even the correct decision by the letter of the spirit of the law. There are quotes from the FA's own website. Again, I've just shown you there why that FA quote is is not applicable in this scenario. Mike says, perhaps referees will start giving out one red card per swear word. It's the same thing. Jonathan says, Gabby looks frustrated that he hasn't been scoring lately. I mean, to be fair to him, his, own, his last goal came what, against Norwich? Leeds? It's only last, like only December. It's not that bad. And we haven't had too many games since then. I think that Martinelli is just, that's the way that he plays. He plays full tilt, full time, fully committed, and will go in for those types of challenges if necessary. And he did. Um, and unfortunately, it's come back to bite him. He'll know the mistake he's made. He'll know that he doesn't feel like he deserves it. And none of us do. But he takes it on the chin. He'll move on and he'll come back motivated against Wolves. It's as simple as that. And thankfully, we've got a motivated Emil Smith Road to come in over the top of him anyway. Alison says, Tom, if it was a different team, they would not have been given a red card. The ref wanted to give a red all day long. Alison, I can't disagree with you. And I would have sat here at the start. If this had happened last year, before I really kind of, this season anyway, has really kind of changed my mind about this. Last year, I would have replied to you, Alison, and said, swings and roundabouts. You know, it all evens up at the end of the season. That's probably what I would have said to you last season. This season, I have never seen such clear and obvious bias against Arsenal in decision-making, where a reputation of a team or individuals like Granit Xhaka, etc., has overtaken the referee's decision-making, and there is different treatment being given to Arsenal players. I am utterly entirely convinced that Arsenal are treated differently compared to other teams. And that if that was, say, a Liverpool player that had done that, if that was a Tottenham player that had done that, you would not see. If Harry Kane had done that, he would have probably been given a slap on the arse and told on his way. But I'm sorry, it just would not, it wouldn't happen. It, it would not happen to a Liverpool player. It wouldn't happen to a Tottenham player. It, it's just because it is an Arsenal player. I am utterly and entirely convinced that that is the case. 
Um, let's scroll up a little bit more. Uh, Langer says the agenda against Arsenal continues. It's infuriating. If that had been United or even Burnley, it's a yellow and a talking to. Tim says, isn't it strange if you have to go back almost 30 years to find a precedent? Pramod says, what my problem is the tolerance levels, the red or the second yellow. Referees should just have gone to yellow and a stern talking to. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Whilst I do think both individual things are yellow cards, common sense should take over. It's one instance Martinelli's unaware that he would have been on a yellow card or would have been given the yellow card, given the yellow for the first one, give him a stern talking to for the second one, saying that is your last chance. And if you do anything else wrong, you're gone. It's just common sense to do that. It's just, it really, really is. Uh, Matt says, Tom, Ruben Neves' comment, uh, sal- salty comments aside, he's quality. Uh, he's a quality midfielder and would be a great Xhaka replacement. Yeah, I agree. His sorted comments aside, I would absolutely take him at Arsenal without a shadow of a doubt. FB <laughs> says, oh, you're a Guna. Have a red card. <laughs> That's pretty much how it works these days. Um, King says, Tom, how does Arteta discipline his players? Yes, the red card was harsh, but it was also unnecessary. What do we do with the lack of goals? Let's focus on the first part of your question, King wrote about this last night after the game in my piece, which was all about basically Martin Odegaard's substitution. I didn't actually think that Martinelli and the red card of Martinelli was the big catalyst for change in the game. The catalyst for the change in the game was Martin Odegaard being brought off the pitch. He was so influential, so he's so integral to how we play. His calmness on the ball, the way he takes the ball beyond players, the way in which he picks up the ball and turns and runs with it, the way he's able to pick out the right pass at the right time. He's now got this new number eight style role, which I kind of like. I don't really look at him as an out-and-out number 10. I see him kind of as that hybrid of an eight and a 10. He kind of plays in between the space of those two positions. And that's fine. I think he can do that role really well. What I do think, though, is I don't think Granit Xhaka can play that role slightly ahead of Partey well enough. He can play it, but not well enough if you're going to put an Odegaard in the 4-3-3. Because it wasn't a 4-2-3-1 last night. It was a 4-3-3 with Partey playing as that 6, Xhaka ahead of him, and Odegaard playing this hybrid 8-10 role to the right, skewed to the right-hand side. And I like that formation, and I think it can work, but I do think that we are lacking the the player that wears Xhaka is. We're lacking a Tielemans there. We're lacking a Ruben Neves there. We're lacking that kind of player for me to play in that position. A box-to-box, disciplined, good midfielder, good passer, good progressor of the ball, technically good, can take the ball round players, but can also get back and defend. And Neves is that, and I like that about his game. And he's a threat from outside the box too. But as soon as we took off Martin Odegaard, we lost that composure in our game, we lost that calm-headedness in the midfield. And I know it wasn't directly linked to the Martinelli red card, but it was almost symbolic that as soon as that calming influence on the team was removed, Martinelli kind of lost his head. Uh, and spiritually, spiritually, it, it really did kind of symbolise to me the, the difference between having um, having Martin Odegaard there and ha- not having him there in the team. So yeah, that's great. Jasmine says, I disagree, Tom. It was a double pivot with Partey more disciplined and Xhaka more aggressive. I think what you're looking at is exactly what I've said there. You say Xhaka more aggressive, but you look at his positioning, you look at the heat maps of the two, Partey was playing far more central. You look at the cross that came in for Raul Jimenez and that Partey tried to to rule out and I think he ended up near... Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't Jimenez, sorry. I think it was Dendonka. And Partey knees it into Dendonka and then it goes very fortunately to Ramsdale. That instance, that moment shows you 
the positioning centrally of the number six role that Partey was playing. So I do disagree with you, Jasmine. It definitely was a 4-3-3 and Partey definitely was playing in a deeper role in comparison to Xhaka. And Xhaka was playing alongside Martin Odegaard in that situation. Uh, Nitin says, in the whole game, Xhaka made one booking-worthy challenge and people are just pointing out that. No wonder refs have an agenda against Arsenal players when Arsenal when fans run their own. Um, there's also... Thomas Partey was also given a red, a, a yellow card for his first tackle. And I just, I think it was a transition of play. Xhaka's, by the way, was definitely a yellow card because of the, it was such an obvious shirt pull in such an advantageous position. It was clearly a yellow card, the Xhaka one. So that for me is obvious that that's a yellow. But Thomas Partey, that one was just scuffle on a transition of play and not worthy in my mind of a yellow card. And it did seem at the beginning of the game that referee was trying not to give cards. It felt like he was trying to control the game. And usually what happens is if you don't set kind of a precedent early on and your precedent that you are setting rather is that you're not going to be giving cards is that things start to get out of hand and exponentially increase in terms of the the physicalness uh, the sordidness of the challenges. So it's a dangerous game that you play when you don't want to set a precedent about what is acceptable and what isn't at the beginning of the game because you lose the inc- you lose your consistency of officiating, in my view. And I think he definitely lost control of the game. Uh, Cedric uh, fouled a lot last night as well. Uh, Matthew says Tom Partey was booked because he let off Cedric. And why? Absolutely. It's because he tried not to book players and then he felt like he couldn't let another one go not reflective of the actual player that made the challenge, which is ridiculous. Bulgarian Guna says, yes, he started by not showing cards and then he switched it. Ridiculous official. Mogor says that was a Xhaka's fifth of the season. I believe he won't be available for Brentford. I'm not sure. I think because after a certain point, it then goes to 10. Uh, I think we've crossed that point. So I'm, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Xhaka will still be available for Brentford I might be wrong but I think after a certain point which is the halfway stage of the season if you've not reached five yellows it extends to 10 yellows so I think that Xhaka still should be available for uh for Brentford anyway uh let's move on to the let's move on to the goal which was before all of this happened very scrappy, very Arsenal Wolves-ish, 1-0 style goal. Um, but you have to give credit to Ben White and you have to give credit to Gabriel Magalhaes. And I think that in both of those scenarios, um, I think that when you look at what we are trying to achieve in this team, you need luck to go your way. You need something a bit fortunate. And thankfully, there was a bit of both because Gabriel has to be in the right place at the right time. He has to react quickest. Lacazette tries to get in there. I nearly thought it was a foul. And I, on the, when it happened, I thought that Lacazette had fouled Jose Sarr. Even after the game, I still thought that Lacazette had, had fouled Jose Sarr. But upon reflection and watching it again this morning, I do think it's, it's a bit here and there. And it's not enough to really give any kind of infringement. But Gabriel did really well. That's his third goal of the season as well, which is also fantastic to see him really kind of getting in and chipping in with goals and, and being a threat at the other end of the pitch. And again, we're a threat from set pieces. We're a threat from crosses. If we just had a striker that was some level of more height, physicality, aerial presence than Lacazette, I really think this this way that we're playing, even though there's some frustrations about it, I think we'd see a lot more benefits. Speaking of Lacazette, is there ever a moment in a game where you turn around and go, 
if we had have signed a striker in January, they would have scored that. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, because I know I'm not. Because when Lacazette missed that chance to make it 2-0, I sat there and I was thinking, oh, Arthur Cabral would have scored that, or Alexander Vizak could have scored that. Now, I'm not saying we should have paid his release clause, and I don't think we should have done. But how could you miss that chance at that point in the game? That could have absolutely cost us. That could have that could have cost that could cost us top four. It, if we missed if we if we miss out on top four, or rather if we make top four by one point, I'll look back on that. I'll look back on that moment, and I'll think of that moment and the two points that could have been dropped, or three points that could have been dropped. Laka has to score that chance has to score that chance and it was interesting seeing the conversations that was going on when Lacazette was brought off with Arteta we don't know what that conversation was about no idea there was also a conversation between the two of them at full time where clearly they were kind of making up I think that Arteta was frustrated that he'd missed the chance and you know rightly criticized him for it you got to be you got to be critical if that was me if I was the manager I'd be saying to Lacazette mate you've got to score that we need to be taking those chances you can't you have to instill accountability in your side you have to take that chance goodness me we, we got away with that one missing that opportunity there you go um isaac scores that lol <laughs> uh mcpe says only 100 likes don't miss it in the like button like harry kane is missing those goals this season if you thought if you thought Gabriel Martinelli was harshly treated, then drop a press on that like button, people. Duma Gunas says, can we get some credit for Rob Holding too? Look, this is the other thing that I was going to come on to. Credit to Arteta and credit to Rob Holding. Because yes, we went down to 10 men. We could have kept things as is. We could have kept it with the back four. We could have kept it with the two extra midfielders and trying to hit on the break. We could have kept, we could have brought Pepe on for Saka and really tried to hit them on the counter and try and get that second goal. But we've not been scoring loads of goals this season, to be honest. We've just not been able to do that. And so the same as what we did against Liverpool, we took the red card and we sat in and we dug in and we got a result. And this team knows how to play with 10 men because we do it so often. We get so much practice at it. And Mikel Arteta's decision to bring on Rob Holding and go to that back three was a piece of in-game management that I have to give credit for. I don't give credit for taking off Martin Odegaard. But I give credit for the substitution of Rob Holding. And speaking of Rob Holding, what a brilliant display from someone who's been on the outskirts of the team this season. That is the type of attitude that you want to see from a squad that is not playing every single week and that we've got a regular starting eleven. Rob Holding's display confirmed to me that this team so very much want this as a group. Even the players whose futures are uncertain, like Holding, like Lacazette, um, even players like Granit Xhaka, arguably, whose future has been up in the air about the Roma interest that could come in the summer. It gives me encouragement that this team really genuinely, as a group, wants to fight towards our targets for this season. You saw that with the celebrations at part-time from the starters. But the performance from someone like Rob Holding, who is a fringe player at, the, at this moment in time, coming in and, and playing the way that he did was great. When you see Pablo Marie talking about Mikel Arteta after he's left on loan because he wasn't being played by Arteta, that in itself gives you more encouragement that clearly this side is very much behind the manager. We've had to chop and change the squad. We've had to move some players out. We've had to move some troublemakers out. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine, in my view, because it builds an accountable group of players that know what they can and what they can't do. The issue is, is that they still seem to think they can 
get away with consistent red card decisions. And that's now Arteta's biggest challenge from a social standpoint. It's getting rid of this discipline. It's getting rid of this just immaturity and poor decision-making in the side because it needs to be got rid of. And Mikel Arteta needs to be held accountable if we continue to get red cards. And I do hold him accountable because it just keeps on happening. I think that was like our 15th or 16th red card under Mikel Arteta. That cannot happen in the long term. That cannot happen against in the games where you play Spurs away from home or Man United at home. These games that are going to be huge for our season. We need to keep 11 players on the pitch. We, I think, as a club, have one of the best records at winning with 10 men. I don't want that record. I don't like that record. We've only got that record because of how many red cards we get. I don't want to see Arsenal playing with 10 men. I want to see Arsenal being competitive for an entire fixture and you just lose that competitiveness. We're great at sort of digging in at times when we need to, but we need to remove this aspect of our game. Anyway, that's kind of my main talking points of the show. Uh, of the show. We are going to continue on with the show and continue to go through your questions and your thoughts and your feelings in the chat box. So please do start getting them in there. What I'm going to round off before we do go through lots of your questions is where we are in the table. And looking at the Premier League table right now, things are looking nice, very nice indeed. Uh, we currently sit one point off top four with two games in hand over uh, West Ham United. I think those two games are against Chelsea and against uh, Tottenham Hotspur. So they're not exactly going to be easy games. But they are games that we can pick up enough points in. I think we can get a win over uh, Spurs. I think we can try and get something against Liverpool. It's going to be really hard. Or I think Chelsea is the other one as well. And we can try and get points in those games. I'm not going to be sitting here moaning if we don't win or get a draw in those fixtures, depending on how we play. If we get absolutely ruined, we'll have something to talk about. But I'm targeting the games that are absolutely winnable and we have to look at the Tottenham game as a winnable fixture. They are not a good side. They have a very good manager, but as a team, as a group, they are not a good side and we need to take advantage of them and we need to press that. If Southampton can go to Spurs and take three points, we should be able to do the same. Man United sitting on the same current amount of points as us. Um, we've got a better goal difference than them and we've got a game in hand over them. Spurs, we've played a game more, but we've, you know, uh, we've opened up that advantage. If we can win that game that we've got against them in hand, then again, we've pressed home that advantage. Arsenal have top four in their hands. 16 games remain between now and the end of the season and we have top four in our own hands and we can't let that slip and I hate to use Steven Gerrard's quote but we can't afford to let that slip we really can't afford to let's go into the chat box then let's see what questions you're asking and we'll go through as many of them as we can sorry for those listening in audio only he's got a nice slurpy noise there <laughs> Tim said Tom if we look at those 15 reds We'll see that at least 50% of them are completely wrong or extremely harsh. Not fair to put it down to ill discipline. We have a reputation and the refs keep using it. The problem is, Tim, is that we've created that reputation with the seven or eight red cards that were red cards. Because even then, that's still significantly more than quite a fair few clubs in this league. And players like Mustafi, players like Xhaka, players, who else am I thinking of when I think of red cards and Arsenal? You think of even Gabriel at this point. He's getting a couple of he's getting a couple of red cards, and both of his red cards that I've seen him get against uh, Southampton, I think, was one, and uh, and now of course the the game we saw him get sent off against Man City. Both of them were red cards. So sure, I get you, and I, I agree with you that some of those red cards are very very harsh. But we've put this reputation upon ourselves. 
we've done this to ourselves and we now need to try and change the rhetoric and be more savvy with how we play. Christopher says, Tom, who would you sign between Tielemans, Neves, Kessier, Renato Sanchez and Camara? I think I'd lean towards Ruben Neves. Tielemans is up there as well. Either one of Tielemans or Neves, I like both of them. I like the fact that we would go for another Premier League ready player, someone that doesn't need to transition to the league, someone that can come in and play that that role that Xhaka played last night, along, not alongside Partey, but ahead of Partey. I want to see that position used properly. I think that Neves or Tielemans would be able to do that. I don't think Tielemans' performances at Leicester have been good of late. I don't think they're reflective of the player that he is, and I don't think you should take that into account. I think you should consider is his situation at Leicester, the situation at Leicester as a whole, don't take what you're seeing from Tielemans now as gospel to what type of player that he is. Jabu says, Tom, we need to have a discussion. Um, do we need an overlapping fullback for Saka like a Cedric or are you happy to play Tommy? I'm happy to play Tommy. Tommy's great. Tommy's really improving that offensive aspect of his game and he gives us that defensive security on our right flank. You did notice how much we used the left flank more than the right at times and that was very evident in how we were playing. But at the same time, Tommy adds the ability for the left flank to be more dangerous, for Tierney to be more offensive, for us to be more secure with White and Gabriel and Tommy as a three. Saka needs to get support from Erdegaard. And I think that's what Mikel Arteta is trying to do to find the balance in his team, is that when he puts Erdegaard on that right-hand side of the central midfield, he gives Saka that support. And we saw during the game the number of combination plays between Saka and Erdegaard was frequent throughout the fixture. And usually what you would see is Tommy Asu wouldn't be able to support them as much. Cedric was able to support them more. But still, I did think that it was a restrained performance from Cedric. Cedric's style is bomb up the other end of the pitch and get as many crosses in the box as he can. And he did manage to do that a few times. In fact, Lacazette definitely, or a taller striker, would definitely have dealt with one of those crosses in the first half a lot better than Lacazette did. But I do think the way in which we're trying to structure the formation with Erdegaard playing in this kind of right central midfield role... And I need to get rid of this light that's shining in my eye, Alden. Um, with Erdegaard playing in this right central midfield role on your screen, I guess it's this side. Um, and then Xhaka playing on the other side and Partey playing in this central role. That's how he's trying to combat the idea of having a less offensive fullback at right back and giving Saka the support with Erdegaard. And I think you saw that. The chance that Lacazette had where... Erdegaard played, or Saka played to Erdegaard, Erdegaard to Saka, Saka across the box, Lacazette hits it, should score. That's exactly the type of chance that I think Mikel Arteta is trying to cultivate with this system. Bro Pro says, do you believe that Chelsea and Liverpool is the only acceptable loss that we will get for the remaining games? Acceptable losses don't exist. I don't, I don't call it an acceptable loss. What I would say is that it's a game in which I'm not expectant of, a, of a, you know getting three points. I'm, I'm expectance. No, I think expectance the right word. I never think that Arsenal are never entitled to a win. You're never entitled to win any game. But I expect Arsenal to pick up points against every team that we play by Liverpool and Chelsea this season. I expect us to win every game um, because we don't have a choice. We're not entitled to win those games and we won't win those games. And it will apply, and I will apply the context of what happens during the 90 plus minutes of each fixture when we break them down. But I'm expecting that Arsenal have to, if they want to get top four, they have to beat all of those other teams. We have to beat our rivals. We have to beat Spurs. We have to beat Man United. We have to beat Wolves. We have to beat Leicester. We have to beat these teams that are, we have to beat West Ham again. We have to, if we want to achieve top four. So that's why I'm expectant of us to try and win those games. 
Liverpool and Chelsea are better than us. And so I'm not expectant of beating them. But in my view, we are better than United. We are better than Spurs. We are better than Wolves. And we should be looking to try and win those games. So on paper, I am expectant. They're not acceptable. Nothing's acceptable. And you always have to turn around and look at the fixture. The Man City game, if you want to talk about acceptable losses, we caused that loss ourselves. We didn't deserve to lose it. You can have games where you don't deserve to lose. But there's no such thing as an acceptable loss. There's always ways and reasons as to why you lost a game. So the only way you'd have an acceptable loss, I suppose, ever is if literally the ref gave the opposition the win, which could happen for Arsenal, to be fair. But that's that's kind of the difference between the two for me. Uh, let's scroll down. Just want to see some reaction to that because I know some people may disagree with me. Um, doesn't look like you did. That's fine. Uh, John says, did you see the ESPN article that said that if you eliminate the top three clubs, City, Liverpool and Chelsea, Arsenal are clearly the best team left in the league by many standards and stats? No, I didn't. But that's great. <laughs> that's That's wonderful, John. Hopefully we can actually make that a reality because Man United, West Ham... And Spurs are all going to be challenging us for that top four place. It's so gettable though, isn't it? When you really think about it, uh, and again, I need to get rid of this silly bit of light that's pointing on my face. Um, when you really think about it, we are better than United. I look at United, I assess the team, I assess the coach, I assess what they've got, I assess what they're doing. We're better than them. I look at Spurs, we don't have a better coach than Spurs, but my goodness, do we have a better team than Spurs. Their signings they made in January didn't improve their squad. We should be better than them. We should have a better outcome than them. You look at West Ham, they're a good side. They're a good squad put together by a good manager. But we are still better than them. And we proved that at the Emirates this season. And Wolves, again, I think we're a better team than Wolves and we showed that. We should be looking at top four this season and thinking it is absolutely within our grasp. It is so within our grasp to try and go for it. And that's why if we really fail... And if we really fall away from the top four, and if we say finish six, seven, eight points away from top four, I'm going to be really disappointed. And we are going to have a conversation about what we did during the season that cost us that. But I am really hopefully expecting of us pushing towards. Uh, Address that says, so we had the fourth best squad. I think that United across this season, as a, in terms of depth, have a better squad than us. But I think based upon recent problems uh, and losing a key player in their forward line who I think is actually probably one of their best if not their best forward player in their team just on the football pitch less said about what he does off the pitch actually no not less said about it actually highlight it as much as you like he's a horrible human being um, but in regards to what United are capable of I think that Arsenal just have that slight edge over United this season and what I've seen from the teams and what I've seen from their starting 11s. If everyone is starting for Arsenal, if our best team is available, I think we can beat them. And I don't think we deserve to lose at Old Trafford. I really don't think we do. I don't think either team deserved to win that game. I really thought we could have come away with a victory. We just didn't. We came off the back of that. We, we played that. Was it Everton that came after? Whatever it was, it just... That that United Old Trafford game was a real kick in the teeth because I really didn't think we deserved to win that. I didn't think United deserved to win that. And unfortunately they did and it gave them a big push and we weren't able to come away with anything. And if, we, if we'd have actually been able to hang on in that game and not give away a silly penalty, which I do criticise Martin Erdogan for, 
who knows? Maybe the table would look even more healthy right now. And maybe we wouldn't have had a couple of horrible results as well. But uh, yeah, we have better team chemistry than Man United. They're so disjointed. Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't look interested. Their midfield is weak. Their midfield is really weak. If Pogba starts firing, and he, he did, in fairness, uh, against Burnley, if that, then it's a different story because he is a world-class central midfielder if he's playing to the top of his absolute ability. Similar to kind of that Ozil feeling. Ozil has world-class ability, but he didn't apply it every single game. And I feel like that's the same for Pogba. If you can get Pogba singing every single game, you've got a brilliant, brilliant asset. But that's the issue that they have. Uh, Ashwin says, Tom, what do you think of Sandro Tonali? He's exactly the kind of Xhaka replacement we need. Would you take him over Neves? No, I wouldn't because, again, I like this idea of investing in Premier League talent at the moment. It's what got us white. It's what got us Ramsdale. It's what's got us this team pushing forwards. I would take Neves over Tonali. I like Tonali, don't get me wrong, but I would rather Ruben Neves. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for the super chat, mate. Uh, I'm so happy with the result, and I'm so happy for Mikel, says Daniel. Thanks, mate. And uh, yeah, so am I. I'm absolutely delighted with the result, and I'm delighted that Arteta's, you know, the thing about Arteta was in the game, he made a couple of errors. He took off Erdegaard. I wouldn't have done that unless he was injured, which a couple of people have said to me that he might have been, in which case, fair enough. But bringing on Rob Holding, switching up the formation again, and digging in and showing that team togetherness there, that was great. And that you could see how much it meant to those players after the game, which was fantastic. Chris says, Law 15, offences and sanctions. Interesting reads. Again, Chris, go and read uh, what Dale Johnson on ESPN wrote because he clears all of that up uh, for you. Uh, Vuk says, don't get that about Spurs not having a better team and having a genius coach. Kane and Son are great players. We don't have that. We have prospects. Some of the other players of Spurs are also decent. Spurs don't have a better team than us, Vuk. They just don't. Kane is a better striker than what we've got and Sonny's a better winger than what we've got. But beyond that, I'm sorry, but I wouldn't swap anyone. Anyone. I wouldn't swap Ramsdale for Lloris. I certainly wouldn't swap Tommy Asu for Emerson Royale. I wouldn't swap Davison Sanchez or Ben Davies or who else do they have at the back? Romero. I wouldn't swap any of those for Gabriel or Ben White. I wouldn't swap any of them. Would I swap Regulon for Tierney? No. Would I swap Bentoncourt or Hoiberg um, for Xhaka? To be honest, no, I wouldn't. Some people might swap Hoiberg and, you know, I think there's maybe an argument there, but I, I wouldn't. I'd rather bring someone else in than, than get Hoiberg in for Xhaka. I'd rather hold on to Xhaka, bring someone else in than swap the two. Um, Partey over any of their centre-mids, Bentoncourt, no. Winks, Skip, no. And is Lucas Moura or Kulisevsky or Bergvein better than Saka? No. They have two players that are better. Two players and a coach that's better too. So, Vuk, I'm sorry, but we have a better team than Spurs without a debate for me. There's there's, bare, there's, there's not a debate, in fact. I mean, there's, the only debate is Schuerberg for Xhaka, and even then you're, you're arguing over a third player that might be better. That's it. Daniel says, you could see how much it meant to Arteta at full-time, and that made me feel great. Again, thanks, Dan, for the donation. And look, you could see what it meant to the whole team. You can see what this is. You can see what they're building. You can see the togetherness of the squad, and I love it. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Chris says, not the same, I don't think, mate. Have a look. Yeah, look, I have had it. I've seen it already. I, I disagree with you. I think there was two yellow card offences, and I think that it shouldn't have been given because in the spirit of the law, I wouldn't have done it, but uh, I am very biased. But seemingly so are the referees. Uh, Boras says, Tom, if we win the games in hand, we are just two points behind Chelsea. 
uh, before Man United, Tottenham and West Ham sort out their issue. We should pull away and get closer to Chelsea. Oh, I would love to. <laughs> we should absolutely do that. <laughs> There's not even a debate. We should try and do that, yes. But in seriousness, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be tough. There's no wins. We lost to Brentford. And, you know, I, my other half was at the Etihad Stadium the other night watching Man City because she's up in Manchester this week. And Man City were comfortable. But Brentford, you know, Brentford have got players that can hurt you. And they proved that. But we're a different side since that first game of the season. We're a completely different team. And fingers crossed we can get a good result. I'm going to be at the game. So it's the first game I've been to in since Villa in the first half of the season. So if you're going to the game, let me know. Uh, probably going for a drink in the Tollington. So uh, uh, look forward to that. Uh, Daniel says, Tom, great stream. Thank you. No, thank you, Dan. And, uh, you know, you can't leave a comment without being a donation, but I really do appreciate it, Dan. That's really kind of you. Alazar says, I'm a really awful advert for my own channel, aren't I? Alazar says, the games in hand are Spurs, Liverpool and Chelsea. And we have to win one of those. If we get four points from those three, I'd be very happy with that because it would mean getting a draw against Liverpool or Chelsea, uh, or maybe even a win, but you know, I, I, you'd think that we should be able to get the win over Spurs. But yeah, if we can get a point from Liverpool and Chelsea, I think that would be really good for us, because you would expect Liverpool and Chelsea to beat our rivals, and, and that's what we got to hope would happen. Matt Thornton says, should we be worried about Laka? It could cost us top four. I'm worried. Look, yeah, there is an element of worry. Without a shadow of a doubt, there is an element of worry for me about Lacazette's finishing ability, but we've just got to keep going. We, we've just got to keep going as well. Uh, the Wolves home game is also enhanced, says Adam. It's very true. Christopher says, Tom, do you think if we qualify for the Europa League instead of the Champions League, we'll sign less players this summer and give more of our youngsters a chance? I don't think we'll sign less players, Chris. What I think we'll do is we won't be able to sign, say, Plan A. Plan A may not happen if we don't get Champions League football. I don't think it affects how many players we sign. I just think it will affect the quality of the player that we'll be able to get. And that sucks. But that is the reality of being in and out of the Champions League. And that's why it's so important this season to try and take advantage of not being in the cup competition. So we also have to think about Spurs are still in the FA Cup. West Ham are still in the FA Cup and the Europa League. Man United are still in the Champions League. It is going to take it out of them. There is going to be games that they are going to be tired from. They're going to have to rotate for. We don't have that. And that is certainly important in the consideration at the end of the season about where we finish, that we didn't have European football all season and how we use that to our advantage. And if we miss that opportunity and next season we're in the Europa League, which will probably for me be the better chance to get in the Champions League than the league, there's always a better chance to win the Europa League than it is to get top four. It's easier to win the Europa League than it is to get top four. And so not being in the competition this season is definitely giving us a chance and a great chance to finish fourth. We need to try and take it. Um, what did I have for breakfast this morning, Jashan? Uh, I haven't had any yet. I don't usually have it until after the show because I get up at like seven, make the show, uh, put the show together, upload the destination, make the thumbnail, all of that, and I usually have breakfast after. So, uh, But I'm off work today. Day off, which is nice, considering I finished my shift at 12 midnight last night. Deep says, am I the only one not bothered by the Gabby Red? Emil Smith-Rowe was absolutely magical on the left before Gabby started playing regularly. Um, I, I Look, Smith-Rowe is a great backup, but I, I wasn't impressed with him when he came on. I wasn't impressed by Smith-Rowe when he came off the bench. He just He's lost that yard of pace. I don't know what's wrong. I think of the goal that he scored against Aston Villa where he was blitzed down that left-hand flank and then scored fantastically. And I just thought, 
you've had a lot of rest you've come off the bench the defenders are tired when you're picking up the ball why are you not absolutely gunning it down the right flank he was really kind of dealt with quite simply by the Wolves players um and yeah I wasn't I wasn't too wildly happy with Smith Rowe's performance but he's going to get a chance to play against Brentford now he's going to get a chance to show what he's capable of so I'm looking forward to that Clive in the chat. Come on. I don't have a question. I just wanted to say how happy I am. Clive, <laughs> you and me both, mate. I'm delighted. I'm absolutely delighted. What a win. What a huge win. Um, Dan says, I'll look out for you for a pint. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Doom Aguna says, did... Uh, who? Smith Rowe? I don't know if Smith Rowe did. I don't think he did. I'm not sure that he did at all. Uh, John says, without... Uh, without big three, uh, without the big three, Arsenal leading and leading the league, or are tied for the lead in goals per game, expected goals per game, goals against per game, expected goals against per game, goal differential per game, XG differential per game, touches in the box and touches allowed in the box per game. Uh, John, it's a lot of stats. And look, I love stats. You know me. And that's why I'm sure you've put them into the chat box. But whilst the, it, it will be just numbers at the end of the season if we don't finish fourth, it will all be just numbers. And it'll be numbers that point towards a underachievement is what it'll be. Because without Chelsea, Liverpool and City, in my view, we should be now finishing fourth this season. We have to, in my view, the parameters do change. You look back at the start of the season and Guy would have been happy with top six. I think that would have been progress from, top, from eighth place back-to-back seasons, get back into Europe. But there's such an opportunity to get top four. It's such a huge chance for us to get top four this season with the way that in which United, the way in which Spurs are playing, the way in which West Ham... I don't think West Ham are as good as they are last season. I thought West Ham were brilliant last season. And they've just been a bit up and down this campaign. I do think we've got the a much more of an edge over them than we did last season. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lee says, uh, we won't see a red like that again this decade. <laughs> Probably not, Lee. Probably not. Matt says, why has common sense completely gone from the game? We will never see a red card like that again this season. You'll be lucky to see, as Lee says it, uh, again uh, this decade. We may not see another one quite like that. Um, I'm probably going to wrap things up there. Thank you to the 900 of you that have tuned in this morning. Really appreciate that. Do drop a like before you go. Uh, it really does help out the channel. Subscribe if you're new. We do these shows at 8am every morning, usually giving you all the latest news and insight around the world of Arsenal. But because we played last night, we have dedicated this show breakdown, raw reaction to that game and to that show. So thank you so much for tuning in as per. Regarding upcoming shows, um, I do want to get a podcast done maybe this weekend i'll keep you in the loop about that because we don't have a game so i will try and see if we can get some of the regulars on for a podcast other than that the usual stuff will be happening arsenal way are going to be live at 9 30 chris and bailey uh, over on that channel so make sure you click the link in the description go and watch them uh, the six aside video should also be up today uh, and you can watch me again embarrass myself which is always fun so that'll be up on the arsenal way as well and uh, hopefully we'll be getting a Saliba loan update and a youth loan update, or not a youth loan update, but a youth team update and um, a following Balogun one very soon as well. Anyway, absolute pleasure. As always, keep it, keep it real. Have a great day and uh, enjoy the win as we all have. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. 
perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.